Sup nerds, it, oh, there's a car backing up right at the right at the jump. <laughs> what a way to start. God Sup damn. nerds, there's a car backing up. <laughs> Sup nerds, there's a car backing up. My name is Mike Schubert and I'm recording out of my apartment. <laughs> Always nice when we find our little uh, introductory tag immediately. <laughs> God. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the Kobe White, making a bunch of three-pointers, to Zach Levine making a bunch of three-pointers. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, oh, how's it going? That was very nice of you. Thank you for that <laughs> intro. Uh, that is true. Kobe White and Zach Levine, last night we're recording this on... What day is today? February 11th, a Thursday. We're recording this on February 11th. Last night, Bulls teammates Kobe White and Zach Levine became the first teammates in NBA history to both hit eight three-pointers or more in one game. So thank you very much for that reference. I appreciate it. Also, I've been thinking this every time we've recorded an episode. Whenever it is that you and I next go to an NBA game or WNBA game together, can we just walk into the arena and yell, Sup, basketball? It's nerds. (laughs) I like it. I like it a whole lot. I think that's the plan. They are going to start allowing people to go to games. I'm not going to be one of them, but that's interesting. No, yeah. At least in New York and some other places, they have allowed for more to go. And in some cities like Phoenix, they have increased the current capacity. And it's just a bad idea. And I won't be doing it. You know, it's it's one of those like, that's great for you. I love that for you. But I'm going to continue to watch on my laptop in the comfort and safety of my own home. Yeah. I would agree. But before we talk about games and players and such that are happening that we are watching from a safe distance, we need to also go to a place that is a safe place as well. It's the uh, Teal Memorial Locker Room. Teal is also not going to go to basketball games until they feel safe enough to do so. Are social distancing measures in place in the Teal Memorial Locker Room? They are. you got a triple mask. (laughs) You have to stay 18 feet away. (laughs) It's just ramped up. It's very, very secure. I like it. You know who also loves to wear multiple masks and keep a safe distance and be generally smart about things that are happening in the world? Well, I don't know them, but I'm hoping our new patrons. It is our new patrons. I'm pretty sure that their checks would get bounced if they didn't. (laughs) I I hope that that's in the the software. But yes, we have new patrons. So shout out to Luke Weber and Ron Orchard. And a huge shout out to our new producer level patrons, Jonathan Cubby, who would like to be called going forward, bang, bang. Bang! To pay homage to the double bang that Mike Breen gave to Steph Curry. Double mask, double bang. Double mask, double bang. Oh, good. We got the title. (laughs) But who gave that incredible double bang when Steph Curry made that ridiculous game-winning shot over the Thunder a few years back? And also a huge shout-out to our other new producer-level patron, Nitesh Daryanani. Hell yeah. Get on board, everybody. We got some fun stuff on that Patreon. Come along. The water's fine. Fun stuff is happening. And of course, shout-out to our existing producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Siobhan Ellsbury, Shubidubidoo, Godzilla got busy, Steph Curry for three. Bang! He sells seashells, LeBron James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Sacri, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kiyoshi, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Anna Borgeli, Mitch Chrysler, Nitesh Daryanani, and now, bang, bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! <laughs> you know who else is keeping us safe by supporting the show and keeping it going? Uh, our sponsors? It is our sponsors, and our first sponsor for this episode is HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. They cut out stressful meal planning and timely grocery store trips so that you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. And eating healthier has never been easier 
because HelloFresh has low-calorie, carb-smart, vegetarian, and pescatarian options every week. So no matter what you choose, every recipe is going to be packed with fresh produce that is sourced directly from farmers. Adam and I, we just got boxes. I made some delicious Gouda Vibes burgers. I appreciate that the title had a pun in it. Adam, you just made the chicken pasta dish, right? That looked tasty. I did. I made the chicken over garlic parmesan spaghetti. It was fantastic. And the other meal is cranberry Dijon pork tenderloin, which I plan to make this weekend. I think maybe, you know, we're recording this before Valentine's Day. Maybe you and Kelly can have a nice little Ah. romantic meal with the cranberry Dijon pork tenderloin. I have to say, I love all of our sponsors. I appreciate anybody who supports the show, but I do get particularly excited about HelloFresh. So much so that I was bugging Mike the other day, being like, have you gotten yours yet? When am I getting it? I wanna, I'm, I'm hungry. I've been planning my whole week around getting this delivery so that I can enjoy these delicious foods. Incredibly fresh ingredients, very easy to make, even if you're not somebody who cooks often. Yeah, HelloFresh is the bomb diggity. Agreed. So if you want to get in on the bomb diggity goodness that is HelloFresh, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash 10horse and use the code 10horse for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 10horse and use the code 10horse for 10 free meals, including free shipping. So check them out, get that food, and thanks for sponsoring the show, HelloFresh. Absolutely. This episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp can help you. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. And this year's been tough already. It's not even halfway through February, and it's felt like an entire year. So it's incredibly natural to want to talk to someone about it, and BetterHelp can help you with that. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't even ridicule you if you say that the reason that you're seeking help is the Knicks. If you just put that in the subject line, they will still help you. Yes, I think they will try to calm down your over-optimistic expectations of the Derrick Rose trade, for example. But yes, they will help you and they won't judge you for being far too invested in a notoriously bad basketball franchise. But on a serious note, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. They're available worldwide. You can log into your account at any time to message your counselor. They'll give you thoughtful and timely responses and then you can schedule regular video calls or phone calls. And they also make it incredibly easy and free of charge to change your counselors if you need to. So as a horse listener, you can go to betterhelp.com slash horse. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash horse. You can join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional, and you'll get 10% off your first month. So again, that's betterhelp.com slash horse. Get 10% off your first month and start talking to someone about whatever's going on in your life, Nick's related or otherwise, today. Yeah, and as much as I do love HelloFresh, I am equally as pumped about better help because it is super important. So a message from your your horse boys, don't neglect your mental health. In the same way that if you were feeling physical pain, you would hopefully go to the doctor. If you are in mental pain of any sort, if you just need someone to talk to, don't neglect it. Take care of it. Talk to somebody and uh, better help is a great way to do it. Agreed. So with all of this taken care of, we can now move on to our first official segment, which we like to call Full Court Press. Get it like the news. I get it. Do you think they get it? I hope they get it. I would hope after 69 nice episodes, they get it. Ooh, nice, 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 nice. (laughs) Just had to get that out of the way. I feel like I would have combusted internally if we didn't (laughs) mention at least once that this is episode 69, of course. For any of our younger listeners, if you don't know what Mike is referring to, 69 is the number of games that the Chicago Bulls won in the 96-97 season. (laughs) And I assume assume that's what he's referencing. Yes, that is certainly it. That's all. Is there another connotation? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. So this week was fun for us in that there was so much Bulls, Knicks, me, you crossover. First, our two fantasy teams went head to head. Yarjay Parrott versus I took that personally. I 
barely, 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 barely beat you in that I won the assist to turnover ratio category by 0.025 points. So it was so close. It was a, a valiant duel. I was nervous. You also won overall points by six points, like 837 to 831 <laughs> or something ridiculous like that. Absolutely absurd. It was down to the wire. I look forward to us facing off again in fantasy the last week of the season before playoffs. I'm assuming there will be huge implications at that point. So that'll be very exciting. But also our teams that we root for played each other. We did the Instagram live streams for the second game. The Bulls cleaned up the Knicks in the first one. The Knicks just edged out the Bulls in the second one. But uh, thankfully, Polly Burge suggested putting wagers on just the second game. And now I'm going to cash in on that next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I agreed to just having one of the games be where the stakes were determined. (laughs) I picked the wrong game, I guess. Clearly, clearly. So we will reveal what Adam has to do as a punishment slash what I get as a reward for the Knicks winning in episode 70. Very excited about that. But then another Bulls-Knicks crossover is that Derrick Rose got traded to the Knicks and I was very grumpy about it. And then he played his first game and he was good. And now I am far less grumpy. <laughs> yes, you you do have a tendency to be pretty grumpy right off the bat, whether it comes to Obi Toppin, whether it comes to Derrick Rose being traded back to your Knicks. And in, in your defense, for anyone who doesn't know, Derrick Rose has been on the Knicks before. That's where he was initially traded when he left the Bulls the first time, and it did not go well. So it would be understandable mm-hmm. if there's a little bit of hesitance from you in terms of having Rose back on the team. But Thibodeau loves him. Every team that Thibodeau has ever coached has had Derrick Rose on it. So the Bulls, the Timberwolves, and now the Knicks. And uh, look, it, it seems to me, and, and from everything that I've read, that Rose has really embraced a different role, which is he knows he's not an MVP caliber player anymore, but he can still contribute to a team and also mentor younger guys. And hopefully that's what he does. Yeah, I hope he restricts that mentorship to basketball and not other stuff since he's quoted as saying, I don't know what consent means. So that's not great. That's true. Yeah, that was scarred my Knicks experience because right before he played one game for us was the whole trial around that. So not great Derek Rose stuff there. But I was just worried because I was afraid that my precious eldest son, Emmanuel, quickly wouldn't get as much playing time. But it seems like Derek Rose is just getting all of Austin Rivers' minutes, which is fine. And then if they trade Alfred Payton because of this, oh, it would be the best trade. I would think it's the greatest thing in the world. I would love to see Alfred Payton wearing any other uniform besides a New York Knicks uniform. Do you think they would be more inclined to trade Payton than Rivers? I would think so. I feel like more teams are going to want Alfred Payton because he's not terrible. Like, I don't hate Alfred Payton because he is bad. I don't like Alfred Payton because he is a bit of a selfish player and he's just taking away minutes from quickly. So if we could trade him and get him out of there, I would be very happy because I just want to see Emmanuel quickly thrive. Is that so wrong? It's not wrong. And he has proven himself to be a very solid player, especially for where the Knicks drafted him. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. I'm very excited. So we'll see how this all shakes out. But on a bigger picture, there's some non-basketball-y kind of basketball-y things happening in the NBA. The first, which became a new story and then immediately got stomped out a day later, is that the Dallas Mavericks all season had not been playing the national anthem before their home games. And then The Athletic reported it. They were like, hey, the Mavs haven't been playing the national anthem before their home games. We asked them why, and they declined to comment. And then the next day, the NBA was like, the Mavs are going to be playing the national anthem before games. And I'm not like super passionate either way towards the national anthem. I always did feel like it was excessive to have it before every single regular season game of every sport. I don't come 
come from a military background at all, so I could be skewed here, but like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal to get rid of it. Also, Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star Spangled Banner, was super racist, so I'm okay with not playing that song all the time. I don't know how you feel. I was fine with them not playing it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna use that as a standard, almost anyone who did anything hundreds of years <laughs> ago was not great, probably. Uh, but I, I kind of agree. I don't necessarily feel strongly about it either way. Um, I don't think that the Mavs should be dragged for not playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting situation. So like, what is the latest? Like, do they have to adhere to what the NBA has told them? I think so. So I think they're going to have to start playing it again. What makes this story so interesting is that the Mavs never explained why they did it because it could go in a couple of different directions. You could have Mark Cuban being good guy saying that the national anthem is a problem because of like the full version of the lyrics has some bad stuff. Like the shortened version is fine, but there's like the original version, the third verse has some racist stuff in it about slavery. So it could be like that take. It also could be him just wanting to be safe and just being like, oh, I don't like player protests and stuff. And I'm afraid of that happening. So we're just going to not play the anthem. So that would be on the other end of the spectrum. The fact that we don't know why, or at least not yet at the time of recording, that we don't know why they did it makes it confusing because I want to see what the reasoning is behind it. But I at least like the notion that a team tried to realize that they didn't have to do it because it did just feel obligatory at a point. And then it just, with all the anthem stuff, it just felt like people getting mad about this thing that shouldn't be something that people are getting mad about, mainly in that no one could deal with Colin Kaepernick kneeling, even though people in the armed forces told him that was the respectful thing to do. Just like the fact that people couldn't handle that turned it into such a big deal. And now it's even such a big deal. You know, all those classic people on Twitter are like, I'm canceling my season tickets because they didn't play the anthem. Like it's just become such a thing that I feel like I've soured on the national anthem because of it, just because there's so much discourse around it now. Yeah. I mean, again, it's hard because we don't know exactly why that decision was made by the Mavs in the first place. But um, and we've talked about this before, especially with games in the bubble. When you think about how controversial Kaepernick was and the way he was treated for kneeling during the anthem and the fact that we were watching NBA Finals games where the majority of players were kneeling, it's clear that we've come a long way in four or five years. I, you know, going, you're a Yankees fan. Like I never enjoyed the fact that not only do they play the national anthem, but they have the very dramatic God bless America in the middle of the game. Like I don't Mm -hmm. like being beaten over the head with patriotism that is imposed on me. Yeah. You know, it's tricky. And and I think whether or not the anthem is played, as long as players are allowed to express themselves however they feel is right. I think that's the important thing. Agreed. The Yankee thing, they did it because of 9-11. They started doing it and then they just haven't stopped. And that's the thing that it feels like it's come with with the anthem too. Is like even all the people that are upset with it, like it's a tradition, but it, it started to feel like a tradition for tradition's sake. I think it would be fine just to play it like before big games, like the playoffs or something. But for every single regular season game, it always, to me, felt like a lot. We'll see if Mark Cuban or the Mavs ever explain why it happened. But Yeah, it became something that was going on. And then very quickly, the NBA was like, just kidding. So uh, up and gone. I I really do want to believe that at some point, Mark Cuban found out about how racist Francis Scott Key was (laughs) and just said in some sort of press conference. And for that reason, I'm out. Yeah. And then never played the anthem again. (laughs) It'd be good. It'd be very good. So the other thing that's going on with the NBA right now, this is one of the biggest instances of league versus player. I would say for the most part during Adam Silver's tenure, people have been very fine with his decision making and how the league is run as a whole. But this is something where we're really seeing players versus the league is that the league is really gearing up towards wanting to do an actual all-star game. 
game in Atlanta. The plan right now is to have an all-star weekend in Atlanta, obviously limited fans and stuff like that, but you would still have an all-star game. They're talking about doing a dunk contest like at halftime instead of having a whole nother day where you do the three-point contest and the dunk contest and all that. But the problem is that a lot of the players are standing up and saying, this is not a good idea. From LeBron down to people who aren't even in contention for making the all-star game. Alfred Payton is like, I don't care if I get <laughs> named to the team, I'm not going to Atlanta. <laughs> but I mean, Darren Fox was on the Low Post this week and made a really good point. Like, you're going to get all of the best players in the same area and bringing their spouses or families into the hotel room. It, all it takes is one spouse getting it to then everyone contact tracing. And then you're going to have a whole situation like spreading it, the illness aside. A superstar, super spreader. Right? Like, it would be really bad if people got it. It would be terrible. But just even from like a postponement situation, you could have a situation where like for the two weeks of the NBA following the All-Star game, if there's one problem, you just have basketball that no one wants to watch because the best 28 to 32 players in the league all just can't play for two weeks. Well, here's my opinion. As a person who loves basketball and enjoys the All-Star game, especially when players actually try during it. Right. Of course, I would love to see an all-star game, but it is incredibly hypocritical in my view that the NBA has gone out of their way to make COVID restrictions even stricter and really try to crack down on players doing anything unnecessary. And the idea that an all-star game is necessary it's just, it's ridiculous. And I mean, this is already a league that really pushed to have the season start before Christmas because of how much money was involved. I realize that that's why they want to have an all-star game. I do get it, but it's very hard to tell players that they can't do anything other than play basketball games and that they really need to be careful about anything that's non-essential and then encourage the best players in the game to converge in Atlanta for an all-star game. Yeah, it's definitely unnecessary. I like the idea that they should just do the selections. Like people should still be named to all-star teams and you get the award and the recognition and all that. But having the game itself is just so unnecessary. And you're right, it's incredibly hypocritical. You, you can't be preaching one thing and then practicing another. It is not necessary by any means. It doesn't have any stakes at all. There's no sort of standard like the MLB All-Star game used to do where you would get home field advantage in the World Series, which was the worst thing. I hated that so much. It was just an it was an overcorrection because there was a year that it ended in a tie and then everybody was all distraught and they were like, now it matters way too much. Yeah, exactly. So there's no stakes. There's no basketball reason for the All-Star game to happen. And I don't think that they should do it. And players really don't seem to want it. So you would think that the league, obviously they want to get more money from this thing, but I really hope that they don't do it. Or that if they do do it, every player just gets together with, as a union and just says no. Because they do have that power. Uh, players could just not go. Maybe they could do a ball-star game where it's just LeVar and then his three sons playing two-on-two. -two. I'm sure they'd be into it. Yeah, it sounds great. Do that instead. Have the ball-star game. Great. Not all of the best players in the league getting together and potentially super spreading a disease. So... That's the news that's going on, and uh, that concludes Full Court Press. Get it like the news. I sure do. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. All right, so for my three on three, to let you all behind the curtain a little bit, Shubes and I usually don't ask each other what the other person is going to talk about in any given episode. But a couple days ago, I asked Mike what his That Actually Happened was about, and he informed me that it involved legendary Knicks commentator Walt Clyde Frazier. I don't know in what capacity, I just know that it involves Walt Clyde Frazier. Sorry to spoil it, Shubes. <laughs> As a result especially considering our recent Instagram Live during the Bulls-Knicks game, this felt like the perfect episode to honor Chicago Bulls commentator Stacey King. So, yes, I hope this would happen without 
forcing your hand. Let's go, baby. We finally got the Stacey King Clive Frazier episode. So with that, I present a double three on three. Let's call it a six on six. That will mm-hmm. be expanded into a 10 on 10 for our Patreon. <laughs> Stacey King's best and worst calls and best and worst nicknames. Okay, I like it. So let's start with his worst player nicknames. Uh, I'll be honest, it was much easier coming up with a list of his terrible player nicknames than his good ones. Oh no. Uh, at number three, we have former bull Mike Dunley Levy, for whom Stacy King had two equally awful nicknames. Sometimes he would call him Mike Dunvy P. Dunleavy. Very bad. Which I'm guessing was a reference to Mike playing like an MVP, which he objectively never did. <laughs> and also, Dunn sounds nothing like the letter M. No, not at all. Like, it's the equivalent of when you see a clothing ad and they're like, these deals are shirt-tastic. Like, shirt doesn't sound like fan. What are we doing here? <laughs> or when they have the letters and just like anything becomes an O. Oh, I, it's <laughs> like, so frustrating. Something that is not round. This churro is now an O. <laughs> C-H-U-R-R churro. So it's a choro? <laughs> now, perhaps even worse, anytime Dunleavy hit an open three, Stacey King would say, Mike, Dunleave me open. That's a little better, but not great. It's fine, <laughs> but it's basically the basketball equivalent of that famous scene from Office Space where they're like, Samir, Naga, Naga, not going to work here anymore, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, <laughs> moving right along, uh, at number two, we have briefly legendary Chicago Bull, Nate Robinson. Ooh, now, yeah. to give Stacey King a little credit, Nate's diminutive 5'9 stature inspired the phrase, big things come in small packages, a saying that <laughs> King also used to describe the six-foot Aaron Brooks. However, King's nickname for Nate Robb was Mr. Excitement, which either sounds like a porn star or a forgotten Shark Tank judge. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like Mr. Wonderful, but just a different version of it. Like, I never understood how he landed on that as a choice. And also, that nickname packed about as much of a punch as Nate Robinson's boxing career did. Ooh! Yeah, he got knocked out by one of the Paul brothers, baby. Sure that was not a great situation. Was it Rand Paul? Yes, it was Rand Paul. Uh, but <laughs> I would love to punch Rand Paul in the face. <laughs> Mr. Excitement also sounds like a very bad Marvel superhero, just from like 1930, where it's like, Mr. Excitement. <laughs> yeah, like you can picture like little kids huddling around a radio listening to Mr. Excitement. What's he going to do this week, pa? Next week on Mr. Excitement. <laughs> uh, finally... The number one spot goes to Luol Deng, who Stacey King referred to for his entire career as Lieutenant Deng. Now, this is a 25-year-old reference to Lieutenant Dan, Mm -hmm. played by Gary Sinise in Forrest Gump, which is already kind of a tired and played out reference, and I guess alluded to the fact that Luol Deng worked really hard and was a leader, but it never really had much of a ring to it, and I was not a fan. Yeah, if your last name is Deng, I feel like Stacey King would have gone with, like, Hot Dang or something. Yes. Like, something more fun. Lieutenant Deng is... Eh. It's not my favorite. Yeah, I agree. But now that we've gotten the bad ones out of the way, that brings us to yes. Stacey King's best nicknames, and I'm pretty excited. Woo-hoo. First up at number three, we have uh, current Nick, Derek Rose, a.k.a. D-Rose, a.k.a. the Windy City Assassin. The Windy City Assassin. The Windy City Assassin. Now, I realize you probably don't want to hear a lot about Derek Rose, given that you don't like him, and he's now on the Knicks for the second time, and your boy Emmanuel Quickly's playing time is almost certainly going to go down. Maybe it won't. Who knows? It's fine. It's fine. But... Derek Rose was part of the only post-Michael Jordan Bulls team that I really fell in love with. And there was a time, particularly during his MVP season in 2011, that he could not be stopped. And King really relished drawing out the phrase. Like, he would say, like, Windy City, assassin And I was all about it. It was so much fun. Now, at number two, we have Jimmy Butler, a.k.a. Jimmy G Buckets. And, and Mike, I have to ask you, do you happen to know what the G stands for? I believe the G stands for Gets. That's right. 
the G stands for gets, and long before Tyler Hero was himself a bucket, Stacey King had an absolute field day with future Big Face Coffee founder Jimmy Butler. <laughs> the coolest part about the nickname's development is that Stacey King got to watch Jimmy develop from a guy who was a late first round pick who never got any minutes into the face of the franchise. The big face of the franchise, if you will. <laughs> and for that reason, I, I especially appreciated it because like King has been there for a long time. So when he was first commentating, Butler would play like three minutes a game and then he became the guy. So I always liked that. And did Stacey King also institute the G stands for gets portion of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And clearly the nickname stuck because people still call him that. Mm -hmm. But the clear number one, and it's not even particularly close, is Brian Scalabrini, a.k.a. the man, the myth, the legend, a.k.a. the White Mamba. I didn't realize Stacey King coined that one. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, King's love for Scalabrini was the same as anyone's love for Scalabrini, which is that he kind of sucked and would only get playing time in blowouts. But I once heard King refer to Scalabrini as, <laughs> quote-unquote, the Bulls' victory cigar, meaning that yes. the only time you'd see him would be in situations where the Bulls were up by a wide margin. And God forbid he did something big like hit a three or dunk, King would absolutely lose his shit. Like, we're going to put up a link to an all-time great Stacey King call, and it will not disappoint. But the Bulls fans got really into this to the point that every time he would even touch the ball, people would start cheering. And the other thing is, in Chicago, and I don't know if they do it anymore, there was always this deal that the Bulls had with, I think, Taco Bell, where if the Bulls hit a certain number of points, everybody mm -hmm. in the crowd would get a free taco. And this started like years and years ago to the point where during the Jordan era, Tony Kukoc once had the nickname of Taco Tony because he, in a particular season, like five times, he was the guy who hit the shot to get them over whatever that threshold was. I think at the time it was 100 points, which now would be achieved mm -hmm. in like the second quarter. So they've definitely upped it. But uh, yeah, any like I, I think there was one time where where Scalabrini hit the shot that got everybody free tacos, and it seemed like the Bulls had just won the championship again. Yeah, the new thing that stadiums have started doing instead of the points, just because with pace, so many games are above 100, and games can be like 130 to 140, and it's not that strange. What stadiums now do is, if an opponent misses two free throws back-to-back -back in the fourth quarter, Ooh. you get something. There's a lot of different stadiums that do that. And I've been at a stadium when that happens and you got free, like, a chicken sandwich from Popeye's or something like that. The place exploded. Like, <laughs> you felt like the roof was coming down. It, and it's so smart because then it really does incentivize fans to yell as loud as they can to try to disrupt the other team during right. a fourth quarter free throw, which can be very impressive. Just the way the crowd goes, <gasps> after he misses the first one, and then <gasps> after they make the second one, oh, it's so good. It's it's wonderful. It's great. It's Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And in the way that I intensely dislike uh, Yankees commentator John Sterling because he comes up with these <gasps> absurd catchphrases for every home run any Yankees player hits, what I do like about Stacey King is that he will hand out nicknames indiscriminately. Like, it doesn't matter if you're somebody who plays a minute a game mm -hmm. or 40 minutes a game. Like, on the current Bulls team, he calls Ryan Archidiacono Arch of Dimes, which doesn't even make a ton of sense. Well, I was watching the game last night and uh, Garrett Temple hit a three and King just goes, Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all you're looking for in a commentator, whether it's Walt Clyde Frazier or Stacey King or anyone, is someone who like really loves basketball and has a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And Stacey King is absolutely that guy. And it's also kind of cool because like Stacey King was a player that was very much clowned on during his time in the league. Like he was one of Jordan's punching bags because he was a high draft pick who the Bulls drafted in 1989 and didn't really pan out. And Jordan was like a bully to him. And it's cool to see him embraced by Chicago fans now in a way that he definitely was not in the early 90s. But as I alluded to,
into, this is a two part three on three. So now that we've talked about Stacey King's nicknames, let's get into the real fun, his absurd sayings. Okay. Uh, let's start with the bad ones. Uh, my choice for third worst saying is, let me step back and kiss myself. Yeah, what is that? What is that? Let, <laughs> me, let me read it with the stage direction as it is referenced on Stacey King's Wikipedia page. The official entry says, quote, let me step back and kiss myself parentheses, makes obscene kissing noises. <laughs> obscene kissing noises. Because that's what he'll do. He'll say, let me step back and kiss myself. And it's really, it's not fun to listen to. So this is something that Stacey King says when a player hits a step back jumper, but I've never fully understood what it means. Yeah, what's the reference? I, I don't know. Like It would make sense if they hit a layup and they were like kissing the ball off the glass because that is a phrase. Right. But I just don't understand what kissing has to do with anything. And uh, I will put a link to the video where he screams this after Derrick Rose hits a step back game winner <laughs> against the Milwaukee Bucks. But yeah, he's been saying it for... 10 plus years and I've never understood it. And especially if you're listening to a game on headphones and he does the kissing noises, it's it's not, I don't I don't love it. No, 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 no. At number two, we have the statement, does anyone know how to post videos to Facebook? Which, yeah, we've discussed this yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> which is something that King says when a Bulls player dunks in someone's face. Now the quote is actually a reference to a very old commercial from like 10 years ago where a dude walks up to these two people and asks that question and then they immediately show him a video of him saying it. Like the whole, it's just like mm. a joke about like, oh, our phones are so fast and like old people don't understand technology. But I don't know why Stacey King thinks this is a reference that anyone would understand or is funny, but he really loves it and he's very committed to it. But the absolute worst saying of King's career actually occurred, hopefully just once, during a preseason game this December, during which he said, uh, yep. and I quote, open your mouth wide and take it. Mm -hmm. Now, you probably remember us tweeting about this from the horse account, yep. <laughs> but this is a real statement that came out of Stacey King's mouth. And perhaps he should have just opened his mouth wide and taken it back because <laughs> what are we doing here, Stacey King? Super inappropriate. Don't say that during basketball games. It's just not good. Yeah, the fact that some of his phrases have an inherently sexual undertone <laughs> is confusing. It's, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what compelled him to say that. I don't think he had to like officially apologize for it, but there were a lot of people tweeting about it saying like, all right, this is, we love Stacey King, but this has gone a little too far. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now let's get to some ones that I actually enjoy. Uh, and I think I actually referenced this one during our Instagram Live. At number three on his best catch raises, we have Million Dollar Move, 10 Cent Shot. That's so good. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. And what I love about this phrase is that, and I'm sure you can relate to this, it reminds me of every time I've ever been playing basketball on a playground somewhere and some kid would do some absurd move only to completely brick a jumper or miss a layup. And that kid was me. <laughs> and that kid was Mike Schubert. But Stacey King uses this phrase in that exact context where a player pulls off some incredible dribbling or handles or fake only to miss horribly. And I love how simultaneously mean and accurate that phrase is. It's definitely something that I have done. You do a great fake out and you just get so excited that your fake out worked that you get nervous. It's like the thing that happens in basketball sometimes where you're too open so you start to overthink it and then you mess up. Well, that's why the way to do it is like and one mixtape where you cross somebody over and then just throw the ball a hundred feet into the stands. <laughs> you can't embarrass yourself by missing a shot if you never take that shot. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> all right, at number two, we have a truly iconic Stacey Kingism from the Derrick Rose era that has continued all the way up to this current Bulls team. And it occurs when a player, particularly a star player like Rose or Jimmy Butler or now Zach Levine, hits a clutch shot, at which point King will scream, 
Big time plays make big time plays. There's nothing particularly original about it, but it's the perfect summation of that moment in a game where everyone on earth knows that the ball is going to be in a certain player's hands and he still comes through in the biggest of moments. And I love it. Yeah, not every phrase needs to be this incredibly creative thing. Look at Mike Breen's bang. It is iconic. It's just one word that just doesn't really mean much aside from like an onomatopoeia of excitement. And I like that there isn't any forced context here because a lot of the other commentators that have phrases that we clown, like Reggie Miller with saying, this is your Kodak moment, right. and Mark Jackson saying, mama, there goes that man. They feel so forced that you don't understand the context. And for Stacey King to say this, it's a nice thing to say in a big moment because everyone knows what it means. Ah, yes, the important player made the important shot, and it becomes less about the phrase and more about the excitement with which Stacey King says it, and that's more fun, and then your brain isn't trying to parse like what it means. Yeah, totally. Now, if you combine bang, bang, and open your mouth wide and take it, perhaps not so good. But as long as we keep them separate thoughts, I think we're fine. Episode 69. Oh my gosh. Hey, look, we, we're only going to get one episode 69, so we, we have to enjoy it, right? Mm -hmm. We can't do this again until episode 420. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we are going to be so old. Yep. Finally, my all-time favorite Stacey King saying originated with Kyle Korver and continued with the likes of Mike Dunvey-Levy. <laughs> Dun leave him open. Mike Dunleave him open. Doug McDermott, aka Dougie McBucket. Nikola Miritich, aka Nico, I think. Nothing too creative there. And Lowry Markinen, aka The Finisher, which is pretty good. So good. Yeah. So good because he's Finnish. But pretty much any white person who drills threes, let's be honest. Uh, and the phrase is, oh, give me the hot sauce. <laughs> Now, the most notable use of this phrase was in game one of the 2011 playoffs against the Pacers, where the Bulls had come back to tie the game late, and Kyle Korver hit a huge three to give the Bulls the lead for good. And it was one of those times where the Bulls had played really poorly all game, and there was this huge release of emotion in the United Center and, you know, in my bedroom or wherever I was watching the game. But he still does this, and he has since added to it. Like, I was watching the game last night, and Levine scored 46, and he and Kobe White were just hitting threes all game. And he says it every single time, and sometimes he gets exhausted of saying, give me the hot sauce. So if a Bulls player hits a three, he'll just yell, sriracha. Mm, very good, very good. But that concludes my extended three on three, aka six on six. And again, if you are not subscribed to our Patreon, I highly recommend it because this is going to be a particularly fun expanded five on five slash 10 on 10. Yeah, there is a phrase in particular that I won't spoil, but what he said after Derek Rose ended Goran Dragic's life via dunk. I'm surprised that phrase didn't make the cut, so I'm excited to see if it makes mm. the cut for the 10 on 10. You can you can tease it if you want. You know, he just yells, stop it, which is great. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, stop it. Stop, stop it. Did you not get the memo? <laughs> Did you not get the memo? Another one that's becoming very dated, but very good. Oh, yeah. I don't, do, do young people even know what memos are? <laughs> so uh, first, an office building when you could meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to really, really uh, un gotta unpack step it back a lot. <laughs> Before we get into my That Actually Happened, though, we actually have a third sponsor. Record-setting situation of horrors. Clearly, it's episode 69. We've got a third sponsor. That sponsor is my bookie. Now, the Super Bowl may be over. The bad guy won. But if you want to bet on some other stuff from basketball to, I guess, March Madness, if that happens this year. And maybe to Lamar Odom versus Aaron Carter in a boxing match. Ah, see? So many fun stuff. You can use my bookie. They've got props for all sorts of games. You can bet 
on all sorts of ridiculous stuff. You can just bet on outcomes of games, normal things too, and MyBookie makes it very easy with their website with their app so that you can bet on games from the comfort of your own home on your phone. You can sign up at MyBookie today, and if you use the promo code HORSE, your deposit will get matched halfway up to $1,000. So that's a free cash bonus just for making your deposit and using that promo code HORSE to claim the offer. So bet, win, and get paid with MyBookie. And as I always say as a stand-up comedian, Keep props in betting, keep props out of comedy. Mm-hmm. Not a Carrot Top fan over here? I'm uh, more of a Gallagher guy. I really like smashing watermelons. I love a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so shout out to my bookie again for sponsoring the show. And now we can get into My That Actually Happened. So Adam, I'm so happy that you did this for your three on three because my That Actually Happened is one that's been a long time in the works and something I've wanted to do for a while and it felt like the perfect time to do it. And there was a thread on the Nick subreddit where people just added all of their favorite versions of this and it made putting together this list very simple. So because I was unable to rank them because there are so many and they're all perfect, <laughs> I'm just doing an entire That Actually Happened about all of the phrases that Clyde Frazier oh, says. Oh my God. Gosh, this is a perfect episode. <laughs> Absolutely perfect episode. Put this in our episode Hall of Fame already. Yeah, this is in the Pantheon. It's just, it's so long overdue. I've talked about Clyde Frazier's rhyming phrases a bit before, very minimally, but he deserves an entire segment. Clyde Frazier is just, no one will ever be cooler than Walt Clyde Frazier. First off, his name is Walt Frazier, but he went with the nickname Clyde for his alter ego that he has for himself when he wears super stylish clothing. Meaning all the time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like he had his on-court personality of Walt Frazier, incredible basketball player, Hall of Fame player, two-time NBA champion. But then off the court, he would wear these incredible outfits. And we'll put this on the website. This will be in the Instagram post. His outfits, he would just wear these incredible jackets, these wonderful bell-bottom pants. He wore fedoras when they were actually cool and no one should ever do them again. He just like big, floppy, huge brim, 1970s fedora. And the reason that he went by Clyde is from the character Clyde from Bonnie and Clyde from the Warren Beatty 1967 film. So he has an entire nickname that is just based on his style and not like a nickname based on his name at all, which is incredible. The mark of somebody who's truly a fashion icon is that they wear things that literally anybody else would look absurd wearing and they somehow pull it off. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that he wears mm -hmm. leopard print suits and looks good in them, like his his aesthetic is basically like Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. Like <laughs> if there's a mink coat involved, he will be wearing it. Yeah. So what's fun about how his style evolved is that he had this wonderful style back in the day in the 70s, and he just never lost it. And now that he's a broadcaster for the Knicks, he wears these incredibly bright, vibrant, flamboyant suits. And not like in the Craig Sager way where people used to make fun of how obnoxious they are. Clyde just wears them and they somehow work. He has leopard print suits, cow print suits, zebra print suits. The colors just like it shouldn't work. But it does, because Clyde is impossibly cool. Effortlessly cool. Effortlessly cool is definitely it, because it's not a show. It is not him wearing a ridiculous suit because it's ridiculous. You know that he walked into the suit store, saw this magenta and teal herringbone suit, and was like, yes. <laughs> and just bought it straight up. You know what? That's actually, that's a great point, because... Fashion has become so important in the whole like walking into a game runway sort of thing mm -hmm. in the NBA. But for a lot of these guys, 
it's very clear that they have some like stylist dressing them. And I'm sure while mm-hmm. Clyde Frazier has people that he consults with, but like by and large, you feel like he just walks into a store and is like, yep, that's the one. Like it feels yes. very authentic in a way that when you see, you know, Tyler Hero or somebody wearing some Dolce & Gabbana suit, you're like, sure. I mean, you're in good shape, so you look good, but like it doesn't really feel as authentic. Yes. Players will wear certain outfits so that people talk about the outfits. Clyde is just wearing these suits all the time and then people make a big deal of it and then he just just laughs about it. So it's gotten <laughs> to the point now where like the Knicks coverage is like really playing it up, which is good. There's an entire Twitter account called, I want to say it's called Clyde's Fresh Fits, where they just rate his suit every single game. They just post a screenshot and then rate it on a scale of one to 10. MSG on a recent game I was watching did an entire thing about this custom mink coat that he had. <laughs> Pink, mink fur, like floor length. It has his name engraved on the inside. And Clyde Frazier, being a good guy, says that, you know, this coat was back in the 70s, like it's real fur but he said that he's never bought a actual fur coat since because of animal cruelty stuff. So he's becoming like a nice guy too, which is nice. Like even though he's old school, he has sensible views around fashion and stuff like that. And he's very self-deprecating in a fun way about his fashion where like he admitted that he's gotten the jacket resized multiple times because it didn't fit him because he got bigger. But proving how effortlessly cool he is, when he was describing the jacket, he just slipped in, oh, I bought it right after I got my Rolls Royce. Just like incredibly in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> like Driving and thriving. <laughs> He's impossibly cool. He wears these great suits to the games. There was a clip of him on the broadcast where he has like a leather briefcase out when he's doing the commentating the games and all of his notes are on paper instead of having 12 laptops like current broadcasters do. He's just incredible. I got to tell you, I don't want to hijack your that actually happened, but I hope you are aware of the fact that Walt Clyde Frazier owns a restaurant in New York that rhymes. Yes. My goal is after COVID, I want to treat you to a meal at Clyde Frazier's Wine and Dime, conveniently located along the West Side Highway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's just, yeah, it's it's by like the Lincoln Tunnel and it's described. Actually, good Google reviews. It's 4.3 stars, but it it is officially referred to as a glitzy arena-sized restaurant from storied ex-Nick Walt Clyde Frazier with globally inflected American fare. Amazing. Amazing. I think it is at least closed down because of COVID, hopefully not permanently, but I would love to go and pay way too much for fine food, but everything on the menu rhymes, so it's important. And we have to wear absurd clothing when we go. Of course, of course, of course. So this is a perfect segue because what I want to do for the rest of this segment is just talk about his phrases, most of which rhyme. And what's fun about Clyde Frazier as a broadcaster, he's been a broadcaster for the Knicks forever, for a very, very long time. And unlike Stacey King, Clyde Frazier is arguably one of, if not the greatest Knicks of all time. He won two NBA championships. He had incredible performances in the finals. He's in the Hall of Fame. So we have someone who is Knicks legend on the court, incredible style icon off the court. And now he's one of the best color commentators in the entire game. We are so spoiled to have him and Mike Breen as our regular duo, but he is just so wonderful and his phrases are so fun. And again, impossibly cool. He's one of the only commentators who, if I'm watching a Bulls-Knicks game, I actually enjoy listening to the other team's commentators. Like, that's how enjoyable he is. Mm -hmm. So he has this fantastic voice that I cannot do justice. We'll put links on the website so you can actually hear his voice. I'll do my best impression of it. He talks in this incredibly cool way, and he has a couple different categories of phrases, and I've broken them down. So 
first I have all of the offensive-based phrases. Things that will happen when the Knicks or whatever team. That's what's also great about Clyde is that he doesn't keep his fun phrases just to the Knicks. He will say equally positive things about the opponent, and it's very fresh to hear because you'll get a lot of these commentators for other markets where they like only talk nice about their own team and then they're very shitty towards the other team. Mm -hmm. It's nice to hear someone be nice to both teams. So for offense, he's got a bunch of rhyming ones that I will go through, and I'm going to provide little descriptions of what they are as well. He will first say hustle and muscle. So if you are running fast and you do a move that like barrels someone over, hustle and muscle. Banking and thanking is if you do any sort of bank shot. So you do shot off the backboard, he'll say he was banking and thanking. Dancing and prancing is if you do some sort of crafty dribble move to get by a defender. Similarly, duping and hooping, if you do any sort of pump fake or fake move to get by <laughs> someone. Basically, Walt Clyde Frazier is like if Dr. Seuss never got his degree. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Seuss mixed with a thesaurus because some of the phrases are, are fantastic. What's fun about all the rhyming ones is just the way he says it. So he'd be like, duping and hooping, dancing and prancing, like the cadence <laughs> which he says it makes it so perfect. He will have dishing and swishing, which is if you do a nice assist and then someone makes a jump shot, dishing and swishing. Posting and toasting is if you do a post move. So close to the basket, you do a little back down move and make a bucket, posting and toasting. What is the, does the toasting mean? Like you're you're getting hot? It could be like that or like toasting, like uh, like celebrating after, you know, like ah, toast okay. a glass. So, you know, posting and toasting. That makes more sense. Then there is hooping and swooping. If you do anything under the basket where you have to do like a swooping underarm type move, hooping and swooping. Uh, stopping and popping is very good if you do like a, you're dribbling fast and then you stop and do a pull up jumper. And if Obi Toppin ever does it, then you've got Toppin is stopping and popping. And it's, oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Us signing Obi Toppin was, the upside is just for Clyde. I'm here for it. I accept it just for the Clydeisms. He also, uh, he sometimes makes up words, I think. Uh, sometimes he does. But a lot of times I will Google them and then they are words that somehow do exist. I once heard him refer to Nate Robinson as gyrening a layup off the glass, which I believe to be a combination of the words gyrating and careening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I believe it. He, he's <laughs> like Balderdash became a human because every word he says, you just have to be convinced like, yeah, that's probably a word. If it's not before, it is now. Yeah. The other day he was talking about how the Knicks were playing very slow tempo and the team they were playing was very up tempo. And he was saying that the game had a vacillating pace. And I was like, clearly he meant to say oscillating, but no, vacillating is a word that means going back and forth at a, yeah. at a inconsistent speed. <laughs> It's wild. Absolutely wild. So continuing the offensive stuff, spinning and winning. If you do any sort of spin move and it ends in a bucket, spinning and winning. Wheeling and dealing. Just, you know, if you do anything at a high pace that goes well. Then there's moving and grooving. Similarly, slicing and dicing. If you cut in the middle of the lane and you do something. So those are all the offensive rhyming ones. There is one in particular that does rhyme, but he doesn't say and in the middle, which is really nice. This is uh, tantalizing, mesmerizing. Never puts and in the middle of it, but just the little pause in between of tantalizing, mesmerizing <laughs> is so good. And then the other two things for offense that I have are not rhyming, but he will just say with the good stuff a lot. It's just a catch-all phrase, make a three-pointer, you know, and it could be Derek Rose with the good stuff. <laughs> it just can use in all cases. 
And then if a player does any sort of move that makes the defender stumble, he will call this an intoxicating move. Do you think he uses the phrase with the good stuff when he orders at his own restaurant? Like, do they just know what that means? Like, Ooh, if he's like, yeah. I'll have a burger with the good stuff. They just like know what, <laughs> what toppings and poppins he wants? Yes, sir. I will give you everything that is good on the menu on top of your burger. So he's got a lot of fun stuff for offense. Defense is a bit more limited, but I do really appreciate it. Less rhyming here, but he does love to make fun of bad defenders. And one thing he will say in particular, if the team lets a pass go through, like if someone does a backdoor cut, he will call it Swiss Cheese D from the Knicks because <laughs> it's got holes in the defense. And then similarly, if a player lets someone drive by him really quickly, so you're defending someone and then they dribble past you very easily, he will call this Matador Defense. <laughs> Which is very good. I'll tell you what, uh, unsurprisingly, the Bulls, pretty guilty of Matador defense, which is which kind of makes sense for them. Fits in with the name, fits in. He will also, if someone does something good on defense, if you steal it from him, he will say that someone has executed with sleight of hand. It's fun that he takes phrases that like do exist in modern life, but you would not associate with sports at all, and then brings it into the basketball world. Does he still use the phrase canine defense? Oh, he does. This will be in my later segment, which is just vibes. He has phrases that are just for vibes. <laughs> I once heard him say, this is a direct quote because it's seared into my my brain. That play was an indicative of the riveting canine defense by the Neeks. It's incredible. It's so good. It's so perfect. The Neeks. That's how, that's how you have to say Neeks too. That's very important. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that he will say if someone is being really aggressive in the post and they force a turnover, he will say that they are hounding and pounding him into submission, <laughs> which is the closest he will get to a Stacey King sexual reference. Right. So, normally very G-rated. The final thing I have for defense is that if you don't put your hand up and someone just makes a shot over you, he will say this often. He will say, you can't play defense with your face. <laughs> Which like, yeah, you can't. <laughs> In addition to making fun of people for defense, he just has a lot of things that he says if people just make any sort of mistake. He loves to point out a mistake. And a generally good just catch-all thing he does, if someone does something foolish, he will just let out this laugh where he goes, ha ha! It doesn't matter if this is the Knicks or the opponent. If someone tries to do something and they mess up, he just laughs at them. And it's so good because he comes from this place of really good basketball player Clyde Frazier. So just to have him laugh at you is like the worst thing you could here. I'm fully convinced that he got stuck in some sort of bad acid trip in the 70s and just never got out of it. Or good acid trip, and he's still in it. That's true. <laughs> so there's one in particular that I love that if someone steps out of bounds while they're trying to make a move, if someone's standing for a corner three and they step on the line by accident, he will say, the court is 50 feet wide, but not wide enough for him there. <laughs> Oh, which is great. Now, he does have some rhyming ones if people make any sort of mistake. If you commit a foul, he will say that you are hacking and whacking. If you're out of breath and you've made a mistake because you look too tired, he'll say you're huffing and puffing. What's very fun, though, is that if you commit a foul on someone, which sometimes he will say that you are overzealous with your defense, whoever gets called for the foul becomes a culprit. So Clyde will call this person guilty of a foul a culprit. And then if someone has to go to the line because of the foul, he will say, ah, and now the Knicks must pay for their transgressions. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Clyde Frazier knows about justice. He really does. He will also say that a player is playing with reckless abandon if they are making mistakes, whether it's turnovers or causing too many fouls.
fouls. If someone makes a careless dribble or pass, he will say that they are stumbling and bumbling. But also, he does just say things that are helpful for people that might not understand how basketball works. So for all you folks at home that aren't super familiar with the rules, every now and then Clyde just gives good basketball advice. So one that he loves to call out is that if someone jumps and then tries to pass, which is a bad thing you shouldn't do in basketball because you have to release the ball before you hit the ground. And usually you'll make a mistake, you'll throw it away or you'll land on the ground and that'll cause a travel. Clyde always calls this out and he will say, never jump and pass, folks. It's the cardinal sin of passing. (laughs) It's just so good. And specifically on him calling people folks, I do like that Clyde Frazier way ahead of his time, has a nice, non-offensive, gender-neutral way to refer to people listening at home. And it's something that he just has adopted forever. And it's not something that he recently put in. He's always just called people folks. And it's great. I like it. I appreciate it. Finally, another one that he loves to call out is that if you're under the team's basket and you try to throw a pass in and you accidentally hit the rim or the backboard, he will always say, folks, this is why you never throw it in under the other team's (laughs) basket. That's just sound advice. It's really sound advice. So now we get into the vibes. He's got a bunch of just vibing phrases that can be used at any particular time. Vibing and jibing. Exactly. One that he likes to say about the Knicks, if they're doing well, if they're on fire, he will say, the Knicks have the knack now. Or if the Knicks are doing very poorly, he will say, none of the Knicks with the knack. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) He will also say that people have razzle-dazzle. If someone's doing poorly, he say that they are in disarray. He will also say, as you alluded to, he can say that a player has feline quickness and canine attitude, (laughs) which is very fun. There's another one that can go either way. If you're playing well, he will say that a player's off to an auspicious start. So if it's the first quarter and you've already got 10 points, you're off to an auspicious start. Conversely, if you miss a bunch of shots, you can be off to an inauspicious start. So it's great. You can use it either way. And it's both words that I've literally never heard except for from Clyde Frazier's mouth. Or like on an SAT. (laughs) Exactly. He will also often, if you're doing well rebounding wise, he will say that a player is bounding and astounding. There are specific use case ones If you first have a turnover, but then later on you steal the ball, Clyde will say, he giveth and he taketh previously with the errant pass and this time coming up with the steal. These are all so good. There's other just great words, just rhyming wise, like continuity, spontaneity that don't necessarily work, but because of his delivery, they definitely work. Right. It's like (laughs) he makes words rhyme that don't rhyme the way Eminem does, where it's like they're not perfect rhymes, but the way he says them Mm -hmm. work. He gets the slant rhymes to work. But for other ones, he will say like dramatic, acrobatic, or dramatic, emphatic, and just makes it work really well. But there's one in particular that is just so perfect. It comes up in a very specific case, but when it does, it's the best. If someone starts the game with a very poor performance, and then later on in the game, they play really well, Clyde will say that this person, quote, like Lazarus, has risen from the dead, which is just a great Bible (laughs) reference. I usually like keeping religion out of sports, but in that context, I'm all for it. Finally here, I just have some key terms that he says. A rookie is never a rookie. A rookie is always a neophyte. And often they are described as the precocious neophyte. Also, he loves to make fun of players being too small if they're getting posted up by a big man. So he will say that people are of diminutive nature or Making a Gulliver's Travel reference will call people Lilliputians. Do you know what Stacey King says in that context? What does he say? Oh, mouse in the house. Mouse in the house. Oh, great. I love mouse in the house. (laughs) There's a time once when I was playing pickup ball and I am not, I'm six feet, so I'm not huge. There was a bigger guy 
trying to post me up and he said mouse in the house against me calling for the ball to try to post me up. And then I started screaming like, yeah, mouse in the house, give it to him, mouse in the house, passed it to him. I stole it from him and scored on the other end. Oh my gosh. He giveth and he taketh away, Mike Schubert. I was so tempted to say something like, you're going to need a fucking exterminator for this mouse, but I didn't say it. <laughs> Stacey <laughs> King also, it's very simple, but he'll just like, if somebody backs somebody in who's a mismatch, he'll just say, oh, you're just too little. You're too little. <laughs> it's very good. So also just generally, if someone is starting to bubble up, if they're starting to get better, he will say that people are percolating, which is good, like an old school coffee machine. And then sometimes if you're percolating and you're doing really well, you will become percolating and devastating. And as we've alluded to before, it genuinely seems like the Knicks draft strategy is pick whichever names Clyde will have the most fun with. Like to pick yep. people with the last names Toppin and quickly, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It was definitely a factor. He also will just use words that are like, it'll just, he just fits them in and they just feel normal, even though these are words that people don't use. So things like shrewd, clever, slick, effervescent, just these incredible words that only Clyde can really pull off nonchalantly. He will also often say that there is an errant pass. So if someone makes a bad pass, it usually becomes an errant pass. And then another specific one is that if you give an assist and then on the next play down, you score, like someone gives an assist towards you, he will say, the beneficiary previously, the benefactor. Oh, so he's just like man. giving vocabulary lessons on the broadcast. It's Incredible. Oh, it's so good. All of this stuff, there's just so many. There's countless good things. I cannot recommend enough for people to watch a Knicks game with the MSG broadcast. But the final one that I got to say is he will have some nicknames. He's not as big of a nickname guy, but sometimes he'll do it. And sometimes he'll even do it for players that aren't on the Knicks. And there was one time in particular during the Jeremy Lin era, shout out to the nine-year anniversary of Lin Sanity. Thank you. I was going to be so mad if you had not brought this up. Every February makes me so happy. The anniversary of Lin Sanity. We've done a whole episode about it. You should go back and listen to it. During the Lin Sanity era, there was a time when the Knicks were playing the Atlanta Hawks and Zaza Pachulia was making a play. We'll put the link to this in the episode page of horsehoops.com. Jeremy Lin made a layup over Zaza Pachulia, and he says... Take a look at Lin and what he does best. Penetrates, creates, and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Rising on Pachulia, and the left hand ain't that peculiar. And you know that Clyde Frazier, in any sort of preparation for the game, just has to look up everyone's last name and then think, okay, just in case someone does this, <laughs> I'm going to rhyme with that. And I love the dedication, and it's so perfect, and I love Clyde Frazier with all my heart. I love it so much. Oh, man. I need to go back and listen to that episode, but like, I cannot think of any story in NBA history that has better personified the phrase that actually happened than Jeremy Lin. Incredible. Like, the, during the entirety of that time, the only phrase that came into my head for that month was like, is this actually happening? It's what turned me into the super Knicks fan that I am. I was a casual Knicks fan until Insanity in college, and then I became the human I am today. I also just have to say, uh, is there a better representation of the symbiotic relationship that you and I have than the fact that we, independently of one another, basically did the same episode? It's great. I love it. It's perfect. I, I wouldn't want it to be any other way, and we didn't have to force it. It's just so natural. Oh, the chemistry. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse Horses, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Misha Stanton. Our music is by Bettina Campamanis. The art is by Allison Wakeman. And our website is by Kelly Schubert. Thank you, as always, to our ever-growing list of producer-level patrons, Polly Burridge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Siobhan Ellsbury, Shooby Dooby Doo, Godzilla Got Busy, Seth Curry for three, Bang! He Sells Seashells, Laron James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Sacri, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kiyoshi, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Anna Borgeli, Mitch Chrysler, 
Kessler, Nitesh Daryanani, and bang, bang! <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty good about that first read of it bang, good, bang. It was good. Uh, which is also, by the way, a Stacey King phrase. When somebody hits a three, he'll go bang, 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 bang. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because Horse Hoops disrespected Clyde Frazier and slash or Stacey King and we won't stand for it. Unacceptable and reprehensible. Yeah, and honestly, when Clyde says it, you're like, yes, that rhymed. It does, yeah, somehow it does. Only when he says it, but somehow it does. <laughs> uh, check out our website, horsehoops.com for fun stuff that we talked about today, including some Walt Clyde Frazier fashion and quotes, some fun Stacey King videos, of him going absolutely bonkers over the white mamba, draining threes, and uh, and a ton of other fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get some bonus content, Adam turning his six on six into ten on ten, bonus audio, bonus video, all sorts of fun stuff. That all lives at Patreon.com/slash/HorseHoops. And thanks to Multitude for having us as a part of the collective. If you want to listen to some other great podcasts, head on over to Multitude.Productions. As we round out every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. I feel like there needs to be a way for us to combine Stacey King and Walt Frazier. I have one. I have a way to do it. Okay. Okay. This is something that Stacey King kept referencing last night because he had a good game and because it was coming up on Valentine's Day. He kept talking about Denzel Valentine. So I think since this episode will have come out the day after Valentine's Day, we'll use a Stacey Kingism in a Walt Clyde Frazier voice and wish everyone a happy Denzel Valentine's Day. I like it. I appreciate it. Let's do it. All right. One, two, three. Happy Happy Denzel Denzel Valentine's Valentine's Day. Day. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) 